Hello and welcome to another podcast from Strategic Painting. This is Smorganite speaking and I'm going to be taking you through Strategic Painting A History today. Something a little bit different, just a, sort of a, an audio journey of where Strategic Painting came from and hopefully a little bit about where we're planning on going. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be quite a nice podcast to do. It's going to be a trip down memory lane for me, for sure. Um, and I hope you enjoy. So Strategic Painting was actually founded back in 2015 when I was living in London um, and I wanted to... A more creative channel for my outlook on the hobby. Um, I actually decided the best route would be an Instagram account where I could post photos of the models that I was working on, the models that I collected, um, and just a, sort of a, a you know a little personal blog of of all the collections that I'd put together for for Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game and what I'd started with. Um, Warhammer 40,000. Um, when I started, I sort of just made a very simple logo. I think I made it on paint, um, where it sort of just said strategic painting and then two paintbrushes. Um, on the link to the website in the description, that um, this actually goes through a lot of what I'm going to be covering today. But this is more of like an audio version of of this web, of that website of that web page. Um, so the very first post I put on strategic painting was of my uh, my tower riptide at the time and it was taken in my uh, in my university room um, with me holding the the model and using an iPhone 5 camera um, you can actually see my fingers and thumb on the <laughs> holding the base of the model I didn't I didn't seem to to mind having um, fingers and thumbs in pictures back then so yeah it's, it's quite a nice photo to look back on and see and see the very first picture that I put up um, it was mediocrely painted, I would say. The, the white was a very fun challenge to do. A lot of Ulthwang Grey was used and a lot of Agrax. Um, but it, it was it was following a paint method at the time. And you've got to remember, this is six years ago at time of recording. Um, so it's <laughs> it's my, my painting, I think, has improved since then, for sure. Um, since then, obviously, we've sort of developed. We've got a little bit bigger. Um, we've got a studio space now for... For the ability to take more professional photography of the collections and uh, we've, we've also got permanent displays and gaming tables up there uh, ready for us to use whenever so my my journey with uh, with the hobby actually started many years ago um, when i uh, i got given some models and i just it was Lord of the Rings models, and um, I'm, I've been a huge fan of Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's work for for all of my life. And I got given some of the models, and it was sort of the rest was history. I dunked Gandalf the Grey in a grey pot of paint, um, one of the old Citadel Citadel hexagonal pots. I can't remember the name of it, and I sort of called him complete. Um, but obviously, that's not that's not usually how we we battle ready a model. It's um it's usually three colours and based and stuff so that one isn't technically the first fully painted model the first fully painted model i did was a was a high elf which i called palmer um he he was done with with quite a few different colors um to get those colors because i didn't i had to mix when i was younger i had to mix the colors to make colors that i wanted so i sort of made the armor color as close as possible and gave him light blue robes and then a dark blue cape and 
yeah, that's on the website, um, that model. And yeah, it's it's one that I've cherished and it's actually permanently above my painting table um, in the studio at the moment. So um, it was a, yeah, it's, it's a special model for sure. Now, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, uh, when it became The Hobbit as well, and now Middle-Earth Strategy Battle Game, it's, it's, um, it's a gaming system that is very close to my heart. In fact, I've uh, recently painted the new Treebeard model that came out. I do have the old metal one um, that's a lot smaller um, than this new Treebeard model, but it's um, it was still a joy to paint. There's still such beautiful models to paint, and I've actually started going through my hobbits because I've got quite a large hobbit force. I didn't realise <laughs> I had so many uh, halflings, but I've been going through my hobbits and repainting those up to a, a better standard than what I'd painted them when I was when I was a lot younger. So um, yeah, when it came to gaming, when I was younger, what I used to do is I used to pack up my models into the the Citadel cases, the old Citadel cases, um, and take them to school so that when we had like lunch breaks or later free periods, um, we actually found empty classrooms and just played games in there and we got quite a few games in but it was usually using ties or jumpers and school uniform as scenery as opposed to actually using trees and rocks and stuff <laughs> so so originally i actually wanted to stay uh, with the middle earth um, game and uh, the Lord of the Rings game um, and the Hobbit game but it was during the time of uncertainty with what was going to happen um, with Middle Earth Strategy Battle game whether it was actually going to be continued by Games Workshop with the films coming out for the Hobbit or whether it was sort of not popular enough but it seemed that obviously Forge World took it over and started creating a lot more models for it which was great um, it was absolutely brilliant that there was life in the in the old dog yet kind of thing um, but at the same time I was actually down in London um, down at um, Covent Garden um, with the people there and the, the store the staff members there and it was with them that I actually started learning how to play um, Warhammer 40k and the the guy there uh, he now works actually at, uh, at uh, Tabletop Tactics he he's now on the their YouTube channel but he actually taught me how to play Warhammer 40,000 in a way that I understood in the sense of uh, from what I knew from Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game and he sort of told me how the armor saves are like a free fate point and things like that and he was one of my closest friends for a very long time down in in London and I really appreciated the fact that he was always helping out with me learning how to play Warhammer 40,000 and with that it came that he sort of helped me decide which armies I wanted to do and first it was sort of demons and chaos demons at the time um, it was plague bearers and blood letters that I was I was buying but then it sort of progressed and went to Dark Eldar and then to, to Eldar itself and this this st staff member used to fully support me in every sort of idea that I had and sort of let me try out games and stuff and play like um, sample games with with sort of proxy and models just to see what I thought would be best before I sort of committed and took the plunge into buying the army um, 
and yeah, that sort of grew from there. I've still got a lot of the first models that I bought for the armies. I actually repainted some of my demons um, a couple of years ago to to make way for the um, demons of the Ruin Storm um, for Horus Heresy, so I could use them in that system as well. So now they can be obviously used in Age of Sigmar, Warhammer 40,000, and also Horus Heresy, which obviously at Strategic Painting we, we specialise more in Horus Heresy. That's the game that we sort of chose that we wanted to play. But obviously if whether we played anything different I've got the models there that can be used in multiple systems which is which is always good but I didn't stop there um, I actually then took the plunge to Dark Eldar and made quite a, a nice Dark Eldar list and a guy from another guy from Tabletop Tactics the the spider he um, he played games against me so that I could test run my, my Dark Eldar list obviously he is the master of Dark Eldar so um, he he actually had always had a better list than me but nevertheless he actually let me play my different lists and my different styles against his to try and sort of see if I could do alright and then I started losing a lot of games with Dark Eldar and felt that I needed a bit more of a heavy support um, choice and with that I then sort of looked at Eldar and the Wraith Knights and Harlequins the new codex had just come out so I was buying the Solitaire and the Shadow Seer and then the Death Jester and sort of doing all three of the Eldar races um, so I sort of had a mixture of uh, Eldar forces, quite a lot of Eldar um, that I painted up with sort of uh, diamond patterns and to match my Harlequin's um, diamond checkered patterns as well. So I, um, I actually painted a razor wing um, after a few drinks uh, one night, <laughs> um, which I'm, I'm immensely proud of because I can't really remember painting it and doing the, the checkered patterns because I woke up the next morning and it just sort of had been done so I thanked my uh, drunken self so that I could uh, get something like that done and not have to worry about it whilst being sober um, but then time time sort of changed my thoughts of what army I wanted to do I started looking at like things like Imperial Guard or or Tau or something something a bit different something new um, but I, ultimately I actually chose to, to go to Tau um, purely for the shooting um, because I'm always a big fan of the shooting side of the game. Now, it, to me, it seems like a, a phase of battle where you still you get a free attack essentially. Now, it meant obviously back in the back in the the seventh edition when I started, or was it sixth edition? I can't remember. Um, but back in that edition, it was basically your ballistic skill to hit um, and in the shooting phase but then in the combat phase it was your weapon skill versus your opponent's weapon skill so you weren't always hitting on a, a, a definite number it would change between opponents which was which was very thematic and very realistic and fits um, themes very well obviously a, a guardsman isn't going to go up against a, a, a terminator and be able to actually scratch his armor as, as perhaps as easily as he might shoot the armor kind of thing so um, I always thought that shooting was a free attack and usually with like the Eldar it's threes to hit so obviously I sort of decided I wanted to try something that would be better at shooting and that's where the uh, the Tau came into it and I didn't look back let's say that uh, so the Storm Surge came out um, absolutely loved that kit loved the model loved the fact that the uh, burst cannons underneath actually moved that was the selling point for me um, I ended up getting three of that model uh, just because you know you really need the shooting supremacy um, speaking of supremacy I then decided that what's better than the Storm Surge ah the supremacy suit from Forge World so we got one of them and added that 
add into the force, just so that then I had um, absolute dominance over the the supremacy of shooting, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, I played a lot of games. I played one against uh, Jarl. I played a, a shooting, uh, a thousand point game against Jarl, and uh, I took the Storm Surge, and I think I took two sets of five Fire Warriors, um, and then the HQ as well. Uh, the name escapes me at the moment, but yeah, a thousand points, and I took the Supremacy Suit. He was not too impressed. Um, he took my me- uh, Mechanicum, and he took some Iron Striders and stuff, and I was just blowing them up before they even really did anything, which it's a game that lives in infamy I think between Minion, Jarl and myself um, which is it's a nice fond memory for me especially uh, maybe not for for Jarl um, but then from there I sort of thought well what what's next what's next with the hobby I've sort of mastered the shooting phase I've played around with the psychic phase with the Eldar what's next and I sort of thought you know what why not look at something that can be the thing that I could take with a lot of different armies and sort of add that in to make it so I can play bigger games and the thing that I decided upon when looking at them was why not go for the biggest the biggest model Forger did for a specific army that wasn't a dropship was the Warlord Titan and the fact that you could buy the head and the arms and the, the, the weapons separately to me meant that I could spread it out over a budget like uh, work and sort of earn money to be able to buy it in, in stages and that's exactly what I did from there I sort of bought the sets of um, arms and shoulder weapons and heads that I wanted for, for a Titan and then sort of saved up for the body and that sort of grew my passion into what it is now for the titans and for the for the imperium um, but uh, when i first got the titans i actually decided that i wanted them to be traitor because i'd just done a tale of gamers with Jarl and minion uh, our local games workshop and um, i'd done night lords so i wanted to have a titan to go along with my night lords um, for, for horus heresy and that's where I sort of looked in and did some research and found that actually the Night Lords uh, are accompanied occasionally by Legio Ulricon, um, which is a Titan Legion that served them until the Dark Angels actually bombarded them and destroyed them. Um, and obviously that's where my initial hatred for the Dark Angels came from. Why would you Why would you get rid of a Titan Legion? Hey, um, there's no no need for that. It's, we're all friends here kind of thing. But no, they, they got rid of the... Legio Ulricon and I always said that I had the last sort of couple titans left and I painted up uh, the warlord with sort of lightning stripes and black and red very much reminiscent of of Mortis but then I added in um, the diamonds the checkered patterns that I'd done for for my Dark Elder just to sort of link back to my first full sort of 40k army I thought it was a nice little throwback and you know checkers when they're done right and when they're done well look really good so I was sort of aiming for that I then sort of took it from there and me and Minion sort of traded armies and worked together at sort of planning what different armies I could do and I somehow ended up with his Imperial Guard and then added that to sort of a loyalist army that I'd got sort of put together. Um, I also dabbled in Iron Warriors and bought Perturabo and some Iron Circle Domitar um, and then I sort of took it from there with my my ideas for traitor armies and I sort of looked at maybe starting Death Guard or World Eaters or something like that. But then Games Workshop did something which 
I thank them to this day. Um, it's one of the the best things I think they've ever done, the best books they've ever published, that's for sure. Um, and The Master of Mankind by Aaron Dembski Bowden came out, and that book changed um, my perception of what I thought we were fighting for as a Night Lord. Now, don't get me wrong, I've read the Night Lords trilogy, I've read Prince of Crows, um, the, the Sevatar novel, and they are very, very good um, books, they really are, and I, obviously Aaron Dembski Bowden, to me, is one of my, my favourite authors, so when he released The Master of Mankind, I thought, well, I've got to give that a read. Uh, one of my colleagues, I was working at Tottenham Court Road Warhammer at the time, and one of my colleagues actually suggested that I read it, because he'd read it, and he said it was absolutely brilliant so I read it and I sort of started thinking well this emperor chap he's not too bad is he he um he seems to be wanting to fight the good fight for the good reasons and you know I sort of learned about Ra and Dimian the, the custodies I won't spoil anything um but I'll just name a couple of the characters in there I learned about Ra and Dimian and the custodies um uh, tribune that I sort of started to really like and develop a good um, connection with the fact that I, I liked what he stood for and where he came from and that he'd sort of made himself into this custodies and sort of gone through the training from being where he was from which you find out very early in the, in the book obviously you've got Constantine Valdor in this book um, which obviously is the captain general of the custodies a very important character and you sort of learn about what the emperor's been up to whilst the Horus heresy has been raging on and it sort of made me think well actually I, I can see where he's coming from I can see what why he's doing what he's doing and why he's trying so hard now I actually uh, decided that what I would do is um, buy a box of custodes um, because I thought well, I'll, I'll give it a go I'll give the painting a go and it was actually the time the Talons of the Emperor box came out where you got custodes Sisters of Silence and a Rhino and a Land Raider uh, to go with them so I built up one of those um, and I enjoyed building the models, really loved sort of the lore. Um, and then the thing happened that would be the end of everything. I played a game using the custodes. And by this point, I'd got quite a few boxes. I bought a couple of extra sort of side boxes by themselves. And I played a game with the custodes. And the phrase is, the rest was history, was so true. I decided that actually... Weapon skill and ballistic skill 5 for, for a Custodes model, yeah, I'm going to take that. Um, and that's where that's where my love for gaming with the Custodes came from. Um, obviously, since then, we've sort of had the rise of the Primarch series where Gulliman came back um, and Belisarius Call and things like that. So as those releases came out while I was at Tottenham Court Road, I sort of added armies for, for each of those releases. So I got a little Ultramarines army, I got a, a Mechanicum army and things like that, um, all for this sort of release schedule of the rise of the Primarch and uh, obviously I still had all uh, the the Warlord Titan uh, painted up for a traitor army but I was starting to develop more and more sort of passion for the loyalist side of things so the the Warlord sort of got paused the project wasn't finished it wasn't painted fully he was sort of done um, up to like the black and reds with a couple of checkers and then the, the metal work was all done but it wasn't sort of finished it wasn't one that I sort of called in my head finished so it was quite nice that actually I, I'd sort of paused it and decided that actually I would focus on something else and that something else obviously became the, the custodies so then with the release of Inferno book 7 from the Horus Heresy black book series the campaign books I sort of decided that I would 
focus a bit more on the Horus Heresy side of things, and they then released um, the custodies for Warhammer 40,000, so the Virtus Praetors and things like that, uh, 40k models only, the Alarus Terminators and stuff, and it, it meant that actually I could expand an army that I was looking at focusing on 30k, I could expand it into 40k, and we I sort of got hold of quite a bit of uh, 40k models, obviously the, the Sentinel Guard and the Guardian um, um, Spear wielding custodes could still be used in either system but it just was sort of a focus of mine to to play with them in in eighth edition as well and me and minion played countless games with um, him using his death guard and me using my um my custodies and yeah i i just fell in love with the army i i loved the 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 style of play the fact that they were good at everything and they were better than marines and it was quite nice to sort of amass a, a huge army um, worthy of the ten thousand. so from there i sort of decided that actually i was starting to enjoy the loyalist side of things a lot um i sort of i by this point minion had um asked me to build up a reaver titan which i then purchased off of him as i fell in love with it and and I'd already got a Warhound as well, so I'd sort of started adding to the Legio Ulricon, but not really feeling that I'd hit the niche. I'd not really felt that I'd I'd got the 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 army the way I wanted it. So I then looked at changing the Legio that the the Titans for strategic painting were going to be standing for, and that's where I decided that actually it would be good to do them as Fire Wasps, which you can you can hear all about in the um, the podcast, the Legio Ignatum. Um, on our podcast page and it, I sort of I, I talked through there that the change and what made me change and why I changed but I then realized that actually I'd started um, getting quite a large loyalist force so I'd got obviously still got my night lords and my iron warriors and things like that from many years ago I've still got my dark eldar and eldar and stuff so I've still got a plethora of armies but for me I sort of decided that actually I'd fallen in love with the loyalist side of things for the Imperium. Now, whilst I've been doing this, strategic painting has been sort of growing uh, on Instagram with a, a lot more followers than I originally started with, and it sort of took it from there. I've got now the website, we've now got our own hoodies with our names on and things like that. Like all these little things have now amassed into something where we've actually sort of got something that I, c- I could be proud of, something that you know, from for the past six years has been a side project and is sort of growing quite organically and quite nicely. It's nice that I've got um, uh, a group of friends that are willing to put in hours and days worth of work to be able to contribute towards content for the page and for the website. Like we've got um, a campaign from Croydon and she's actually written a She's, well, she's halfway through at the moment writing the Orozinio campaign, which is so nice that sort of the, the, the team member wants to actually help out. And the fact that she's my fiance as well actually kind of works in my favor because it means that I've always got somebody that I can play Warhammer with uh, when, she, uh, when she decides she wants to lose, which is great. Obviously, Minion being my best friend anyway, he he was straight away interested in helping out and actually showing something for his hobbies and his collections. He's 
as as we know he's the hobby butterfly in the sense that he he loves his ideas and conversion ideas and stuff and then when he comes to do it he perhaps doesn't think it looks as good as he wanted or he, he's not as happy with it as he thought and then he'll decide he wants to do something else so hopefully we can uh, tie him down this year um, with the uh, the hobby goals that we've set for ourselves but it's it's been such a such a wonderful journey um, this strategic painting um, it's been such a, a great pleasure of mine that I've actually put together something quite nice and with it only being sort of five six years young it's quite nice that we've still got a hopefully a bright future ahead of us so watch this space i suppose and uh yeah thank you so much for listening if you made it this far obviously this is a this is quite a way in over 20 minutes i think we're on so yeah thank you very much and i hope to see you soon take care